This is Bloomberg Business Week with Carol Masser and Bloomberg Quick Takes Tim Stenovic on Bloomberg Radio. Our loyal followers know that we love talking about innovation and disruption impacting our world, our investment world in particular. Our next guest has spent her career looking at innovation too and how it intersects with government. I've been looking forward to this. Joining us right now is Beth Simone Novak. She is the first Chief Innovation Officer of the state of New Jersey. She was the U.S. Deputy Chief Technology Officer for Open Government and led President Obama's Open Government uh, Government Initiative at the White House Office of Science and Technology Policy. She's got a new book out. It is called Solving Public Problems, A Practical Guide to Fix Our Government and Change Our World. She is on the phone in New York City. Uh, Beth, welcome to Bloomberg Radio. Hi, Carol. Thank you for having me. Uh, It is so great to have you here. We do talk a lot about innovation and disruption, not just from an investment perspective, but how it is either improving uh, the livelihood of individuals and citizens around the world. Tell us about your background and how it set the stage for this book. Oh, well, my background, I have been both a professor of engineering and a professor of law, and I've had the pleasure to serve in government both at the federal level and now at the state level and work with international governments around the world in my capacity as director of the GovLab. And that's where we've gotten to see, and especially something we've all witnessed now during COVID, we've gotten to see countless failures and bungles, really the problems that happen happen when government doesn't work well. But at the same time, we've gotten to also see a lot of successes, and we've come, I think, to really realize how important it is to how uh, how important it is to really have government that works. So, in my own background, especially when I was in the Obama administration, we got to see how much of a difference it made when people started to do things like use open data, which we were putting online for the first time, to help solve problems in a more evidence way. What it meant uh, to actually use new technology to then go out and engage with citizens to use what some people call human-centered design to really ask citizens about the problems that we're facing and how we can deliver services that work for them better. It's something that we now do regularly in our work in the state of New Jersey. Right. So we really got to see about what it meant to work differently and how important those different working practices are to innovating and to improving how we solve problems. So Beth, I have to ask you, as a member, me, as a citizen of the United States, as someone who has lived in New Jersey her whole life, I have seen a fair amount of dysfunction in government. Does government work right now? And if it doesn't, in your view, or are there ways that it could work better in your view? Well, again, there are lots of things, there are lots of success stories that I can tell you. Um, But at the same time, regardless of those stories, most people today feel that government is a clumsy, bungling giant that is not in a position to spend its money well, as we stand poised today to have one of the largest federal budgets since World War I, really. Mm -hmm. Um, I think all of us are very concerned about how government spends our money. And, you know, that's reflected in the poll numbers, which over, not just since COVID, but over a generation have seen declining rates of trust in government. So as many things as are going right, and we're all looking around us as New York and New Jersey are reopening, obviously, and we're all happy, maybe not to be out in the heat today, but happy to be uh, able to leave our houses at least um, uh, and go to a restaurant and whatnot. We see the benefits again of when things work, but we know that they could work better than they're doing today. And especially we know that we need to take advantage of the tools we have available today, big data, new technology, uh, um, human-centered design, again, innovations in ways of working that we need to adapt and adopt in order to do a better job at solving problems. Well, does the pandemic and all everything that kind of how it played out, and obviously this was 
in many ways, a black swan event. But nonetheless, the inequities that were laid bare once again, there weren't new problems. Is that an indication that government hasn't been working as well as it could, that we still have such incredible gaps in our society? We've got about 40 seconds, and then we'll come back and talk some more. Absolutely. So I think COVID brought a lot of this into relief, but the acute challenges we saw during COVID, whether it was the public health crises, exploding unemployment, rampant racial inequity, just amplify the long-term and chronic inequalities we've been seeing, whether it's climate change or whether it's economic inequality. We have tremendous challenges ahead of us that we need to do better at fixing. So as well as we might have done things up until now, and that's a debatable point, we really need to do better if we're going to respond to the tremendous crises that we're facing. All right, Beth, sit tight for a second. We're going to do a little bit of news, then we'll come back. We are talking with Beth Simone Novak, Chief Innovation Officer for the State of New Jersey, former Deputy Chief Technology Officer. She did that during the Obama administration. And her new book that's out, Solving Public Problems, A Practical Guide to Fix Our Government and Change Our World. She lays it out, but she also gives advice on how to uh, make those changes and help our world. I want to get back to our guest. We're talking with Beth Simone Novak. He, she is the first chief Inve- innovation officer uh, in New Jersey. She was the U.S. Deputy Chief Technology Officer for Open Government. That was during the Obama administration. Her new book, Solving Public Problems, A Practical Guide to Fix Our Government and Change Our World. There's a lot here, um, Beth, and I do wonder, you know, one chapter, I just love the headline of it, the government that governs least governs best. Is that an argument for smaller government or just more effective government or government with real leadership or a little bit of both. Uh, you're, you're, you're on to exactly what I'm getting at. We've had a generation long debate about bigger versus smaller government. I think that's really a red herring. It distracts us from the idea that we need to have better government and frankly, not just government, it's business, it's activists and students and every one of us as well as our government that needs to really develop the skills, I would argue, mm. for being more effective at solving public problems. So a lot of us these days really want to, you know, man the barricades. There's a lot of demand for social change. But I think the ability to go from demanding change to really making it happen, to cross that chasm from idea to implementation is mm-hmm. something that I think a lot of us find very difficult wherever it is that we work, whether it's in the private or the public sector. Well, when you look at something like climate change, we we talked earlier um, with Sarah Manker. She's created this company called um, Grow Intelligence, and she was a former commodities trader. She's a Bloomberg New Economy Catalyst, and she basically is gathering tons of global data using AI me- machine learning to tackle things like food security issues and climate change and, and her customers are food suppliers, food producers, governments, the financial world. You know, these are some really big problems that if we don't tackle, we're all going to be not in a good way. So I do wonder about, in particular, I guess what I wanted to ask you was the use of data, smart data, to get us to a better place. Absolutely. I think, you know, every day we were glued to the television screen or the radio to hear, you know, the governors or the mayors of our communities show the graphs with rates of COVID and how transmission was progressing, if we didn't know about the value of data before, we definitely, I think, all understood it during during COVID. But if you look around and look at the fact that the top 25 schools of public administration do not require the teaching of data science, if you Mm -hmm. look at the fact that in government, we have the majority of our government, only 5% of people are under the age of 30 in our civilian government, So if age is any proxy for mastery of new technologies, digital skills, big data, 
Um, you know, we really are, I think, lacking in the way that we're training and teaching people to use these new tools that are available to us. You know, our training law in government dates to 1958, our training framework. Uh, Sounds a little old to me. Yeah, there's a need for a refresh and really looking at what are the skills that we're teaching people inside government. Um, But it's not limited to government. Look, in universities, we're teaching people to become the next Mark Zuckerberg. We're teaching everybody to become entrepreneurs and right. how to start a business, which is wonderful. But we also need to equip people with the skills who want to do things like tackle climate change or tackle racial inequities or tackle some of these big societal problems, and all the more so really in business. So, you know, today I think CEOs really know, uh, and the Edelman Trust Barometer shows it, you know, mm-hmm. people want CEOs to speak out on societal issues. They want CEOs to be accountable to the public. The new movement around stakeholder capitalism really is a movement towards companies playing a more socially responsible role. Right. And employees, frankly, are demanding it. You know, millennials who are the people going into the jobs of both today and tomorrow, 64% of millennials are considering a company's social and environmental commitments when they're deciding where they're going to go to work. So I think there's a real need for people also in the private sector to upscale themselves uh, to be able to tackle society, societal problems because it's everybody's responsibility, not just people inside government. It's funny. We just had Richard Edelman on because we often talk about the trust barometer and you're spot on. What's also interesting and having recently talked to a bunch of CEOs that are in the food space, uh, leading companies, they are definitely watching climate change because it's impacting them and their businesses. Is it ultimately, you know, I have worked in a capitalistic society. I cover the capitalism that goes on globally. Is it money that ultimately brings about the change? Because I feel like we've been talking about climate change for a long time. We've been talking about diversity for a long time. But finally, it feels like the needle is changing, partly because it's having a financial impact uh, on companies, on cities, on states, on governments, on countries. Absolutely. Well, look, we can always use more money put towards social good. But right now we're seeing, you know, the largest federal budgets in a very, very long time. We're seeing companies also wanting, especially during COVID, we saw a lot of corporate social philanthropy social responsibility, people spending money on trying to do well by doing good. Uh, I think it's really a question, though, of skills and of Mm know-how and the ability to understand how to leverage the tools at our disposal. And that includes both digital tools and data, but also includes institutions and how we can leverage institutions and their power and their convening power to really implement change. You know, when we talk about innovation, a lot of the focus is on the spark of the good idea. So you talk about the social entrepreneur who has this cool new app or this cool new thing. Um, But the real question is driving through implementation. How do we make change happen in practice? How do we go again from the good idea to implementing that good idea? How do we take these amazing new technologies around machine learning and AI and translate them into social good in practice for real people? That's a skill set and it's a learnable skill set is the argument that I make. I love what you're saying. I feel like I've been having this conversation a lot lately, especially in the last year, but also for a little bit longer. Like these are all great ideas. They make sense. Someone, uh, a loyal listener and watcher on our YouTube channel tweeting at me and saying, better government begins with better people running for public office, country before party. Isn't that part of the problem? And just got about 40 seconds left here. 
<laughs> well, we're going to solve it all in 40 seconds, of course. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying <laughs> in terms of Absolutely. politics keep getting in the way of kind of some really smart and needed and necessary longer-term planning. Just quickly. Let me just say I'm so glad we're having this conversation because so much focus is obviously on what happens on Election Day yeah. and not enough is what happens on what happens the day after Election Day. What are the skills we're developing? What's the capacity that we're building? Are we upskilling ourselves to be able to tackle the challenges that we're facing today? So it really is about... First and foremost, focusing on the problems that we're solving and not on the politics around those problems. Well, I hope you will come back. Beth Simone Novak, Chief Innovation Officer for New Jersey. Her book is Solving Public Problems, A Practical Guide to Fix Our Government and Change Our World. Beth, thank you so much.